And welcome to the bonus. My name's Phineas Mir, and jo- joining me in this year, as he normally does, the rambling bureaucologist. It is Raphael Kalev. Hello, Raphael. Thanks very much, Finn, and the rambling bureaucologist. We're doing a one-word challenge at the Liebert Lounge later tonight. There you go. Uh, where is the Liebert Lounge? You may as well give yourself a plug. Saying it's you've... down at Rippingly with free entry. I'll be on at about half past nine tonight. I get a sealed envelope, and I've got to write. Memorise and perform that night, whatever that word is. Fantastic. Well, uh, go and go and see Raphael at the Liebird Lounge. Um, now, before we continue much further, I should just mention that the the boldness is all about. Well, it's all it's all about gra- grabbing your human rights, not just waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. What's coming up on today's show, Raphael? Well, it's very appropriate that we stand up for people's rights. And so does the Health and Community Services Union. And tonight we are going to be talking with the State Secretary, Lloyd Williams. Fantastic. Uh, So hopefully he'll be on the line soon. But we should also mention that Radiothon is coming up soon. So uh, that is the time where 3CR asks people to dig into their pockets to make sure that independent independent radio continues and uh, so people so that'll be next month but you can do, donate now at 3cr.org.au slash donate and our show will be for that on the 21st of june fantastic all right well hopefully we should have our guest coming up soon and our guest is on on the line now uh, lloyd williams who is the secretary of the health and community services union hello lloyd uh, good day, Finn. How are you? Very well. Now, now, uh, now, you're you're saying that uh, your your members are not going to get a fair fair deal under the NDIS. Um, well, no. Well, it, it, our members are currently fighting a campaign against the government's plans to uh, privatise all of the uh, government-run disability services across Victoria. And uh, if the government does that, we're saying not only will our members get a bad deal, so will people with a disability who uh, provided those services out of government uh, services will get a bad deal because they'll be privatising into a underfunded and under-resourced um, non-government service system. And the only reason that you privatise is to cut costs. And when you cut costs in this area, you cut quality to people with a disability. And we should we should probably expl- explain who are your mem- who are your members, Lloyd. Yeah, our members are, are, are disability support workers, and they work across uh, the government and the non-government sector in Victoria. They work in um, group homes for people with a disability, and they work out in the community. Uh, with people with a disability around social inclusion and um, recreation and um, and get people out and about. Now, Lloyd, what is the dis- um, uh, Certainty in Disability campaign? Uh, the Certainty for Disability campaign is our campaign against the uh, privatisation of, um, of government services. You see, as the NDIS rolls out, the uh, unit pricing uh, for the National Disability Insurance Scheme is um, too low. 
And that means that the government in Victoria is saying, well, our, our services with higher levels of staffing and higher levels of quality um, uh, won't be covered by the NDIS pricing. So in response to that, the government's saying, we don't want to provide the services and we want to uh, contract them out to um, a lower-funded services. So our Certainty for Disability campaign is about providing certainty not just for the workers and their wages and conditions in under the threat of privatisation, but also certainty for the 2,500 residents that we support in government services who will see their um, service quality decline as you know workers leave the system because of the attacks on the wages and conditions. Well, Lloyd, let's say if a person has, let's say, an intellectual disability... Yep. What kind of effect would this actually have um, in having reduced levels of care? The key thing for a person with an intellectual disability is continuity. Continuity of support and continuity of people who know them. Um, so the person that works with the um, the individual with an intellectual disability uh, needs to uh, know that person, know their needs, and if they... Uh, unable to communicate, know the strategies that they use so that they can communicate, so that they can identify if something's wrong. So for someone with an intellectual disability, the continuity of support and knowing the person that supports them is everything. It it goes to the core of quality. And um, when you're privatised, you end up cutting wages and conditions. People leave the system. You end up increasing casualisation because... Um, uh, because you just can't keep workers in the system and that leads to lower continuity of, um, of support. So that means less, less quality for that person with an intellectual disability and the 2,500 clients that our members look after in the government services, uh, pretty much uh, all of those residents have um, either high levels of autism or other forms of uh, intellectual disability. Now, Lloyd, when it comes down to advocacy and disability, yep. um, how does this? How does a person become a self advocate with the National Disability Insurance Scheme under privatisation? Um, how do how do they get to self advocate? Well, if you well, you're unable. You generally, if you have an intellectual disability and you don't have an advocate you're pretty much going to be on your own. Um, so our concern is across the people that our members support, many don't have advocates, many don't have families that can uh, advocate for them. So therefore, they don't have the capacity to make the sorts of choices that other people who uh, do not have a cognitive impairment can make. So somebody with a, a physical or sensory disability uh, are still able to self-advocate for themselves, whereas a, uh, a person with a cognitive disability, uh, depending on the level of that disability, is unable to. So the workforce is very important to them and um, uh, because the workforce generally you know, uh, become their replacement family and they provide the advocacy uh, for those individuals. And so privatisation all round is a bad idea and um, and we 
we're fearful that uh, the people will uh, will be very significantly disadvantaged. No, Lloyd, I think there was a campaign up at Ballarat recently. Mm. And right, yep, um, yep. Now, what actually happened? What was I think that was? It's about the role that workers' wages were going to be lowered, and the Health and Community Services Union um, had a discussion. What were the outcomes, and what actually happened with that? Look, the, the uh, our campaign is uh, is right across the sector, so it's not just at Ballarat. We had some issues at Ballarat um, uh, a couple of weeks ago around mental health services, and that was about the closure of some mental health services up in Ballarat. Um, the government has decided that it's going to close a uh, a twenty bed um, community um, care centre um, and we say that that's wrong and that means that some workers up there will be losing their jobs but on the disability side it's right across the state and uh, you know we've got workers that you know direct support workers who are looking at an $86 a week pay cut if the government uh, privatises and that's the difference between you know their public sector wages and falling back to a minimum modern award um, and it's even worse for a supervisor, and supervision in these services is critical. Uh, a supervisor stands to lose about 248 bucks a week if um, if the government privatises and allows their conditions to be stripped back to the minimum award. So, you know, and so if you're a disability support worker working um, at the moment, you're going to see those sort of pay cuts. You know, you've got to wonder as to whether people will stay. Well, I, um, you certainly would. Is that that's a very significant um, pay cut? That's now, huge. What, what kind of um, off the top of your head, Lloyd? Would in percentage terms, what would that approximately be in a reduction to the average worker who was not a supervisor? It, it, it's they, these cuts are up to about thirty percent, and um, and and that's not counting, you know, other decent conditions like you know, paid um, maternity leave, and this is a gendered workforce, you know, 70% of the workers in this sector are women. So those sorts of other conditions are really important, but they don't exist out in the private sector. So we are very concerned that people will leave the system, and that means that we'll see higher casualisation as uh, these new service providers would be seeking to uh, replace them with uh, with other staff, and we know that you know casualisation in the um, public sector is around twenty percent. In the private sector and non-government sector, it's up around the forty-three percent. So it's getting close to half. So you know, casualisation is really bad for uh, for quality services as well. Well, for Finn, you've got a question there. Um, yeah, I was just going to just going to say. Lloyd, what would you, what would you, what would you like the government, what would you like the current government to do to ensure that your your workers and people with disabilities are going to are going to be or have the same level of service and the same level of pay they did before? Yeah, well, what we're saying to the government is don't do it. There's no reason to um, to privatise these services. You know the privatised, they're conflating the rollout of the NDIS with privatisation of, of public 
services, and that's just simply not necessary. There's nothing in the NDIS Act or or um, uh, nothing in the uh, the development of the NDIS that says that state governments should not be a service provider under this new funding arrangement because the NDIS is just simply a new funding arrangement um, and there's no reason why governments can't provide services uh, under the NDIS. You know, we're saying to the government, they wouldn't, when the federal government cuts uh, uh, funding to health, they don't go and privatise our public hospitals. When the federal government cuts... Uh, funding to education, you don't see the state government going and privatising our schools. So why privatise disability? Because the federal government's um, underfunding the pricing of the NDIS. It's just, um, it's just ridiculous and the government doesn't need to do it. So first and foremost, we're saying don't do it. Uh, make sure that you give people proper choice uh, between service providers and that means um, public service provision, uh, non-government service provision and private service provision, just like we have in those other key areas. So um, we're saying to government it's not necessary. Privatisation is always about cutting costs. And when you cut costs for vulnerable people, you, uh, you cut quality. And so they shouldn't do it. And they should give these 2,500 clients the certainty that they need to go forward and for their families. You're listening to the bonus. Our guest tonight is Lord Williams, Secretary of the Health and Community Services Union. And Lloyd, mm. my big question for you is what level of training is required to be a disability support worker? Uh, well, you... To be a to be a disability support worker, you really should have a um, a certificate four in uh, in disability, and uh, the vast majority of uh, of workers in uh, in government services, about eighty six percent of the workers have a certificate four or above. They many have an advanced diploma. That's not the case out in the private sector and in the non-government sector. There's no minimum qualification uh, out there. So, again, you know, that is a key indicator around quality. Another indicator of our quality is supervision. Um, it's really important to ensure that things don't go wrong in disability services, and we've seen... You know, a lot of really uh, bad things happen and they've been reported, you know, things uh, around abuse of people with a disability. And the best way to ensure that that's not occurring is that you have uh, quality supervision uh, in these group homes and in these services. In the government services, we have one supervisor per group home. Um, out in the non-government and the private sector, you know, the supervision's uh, remote. It's either one person to four or to six or to eight group homes. And um, we think, again, that's another measure that shows that quality will go down if the government privatises. Now, Lloyd, with supervision, um, this is the hypothetical question is it part of the role of a supervisor is if something does go wrong in a group home, is the supervisor actually on call if something dramatically goes wrong? Well, su supervisors uh, work shifts 
in the group home. So they get to know um, all of the residents. And when you get to know all of the residents, if something's going wrong, you can identify it because usually the behaviours of the residents will change and the residents will be, you know, calling out that something's wrong. So having a supervisor actually working on shift with the residents is really important. Um, Where you have remote supervision, you know, one supervisor over four or six or eight group homes, yes, the only way you can do it is by having an on-call arrangement where um, supervisors are called when they need it and um, and those supervisors don't get to know the residents and don't get to know all of the staff because they're trying to manage and supervise too many areas. So, so yeah, on-call is a, uh, is a feature, but um, it, it should not be uh, the way that we supervise uh, group homes where vulnerable people live. Now, Lloyd... When it comes down to um, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, one of the proposals is that I think that um, the government has declined the ability to actually have a Royal Commission into abusing group homes because I think there's a clause that I think it's less than 1% of people are covered with the National Disability Insurance Scheme uh, to the abuse, but it's actually used as a blanket um, reason not to... Um, have actually a Royal Commission. So is the National Disability Insurance Scheme as an overall benefit, is it beneficial or could it have a really negative impact on the disability sector? Um, It has the capacity to create higher risk where, you know, you have um, more people uh, working in the sector without training and without uh, proper supervision and proper oversight. You have higher casualisation. You have people out there who are working as independent contractors, one to one. So all of that creates risk. And if, you, and if that happens, you need um, some quality frameworks and uh, uh, oversight of the service system. Uh, now the federal government is saying that they are going to create a national commission for quality oversight, but we think it's really uh, well underdone uh, because it um, it relies on people identifying their own risk. And when you have an intellectual disability, you know, a lot of times you don't have the capacity to identify your own risk. So if something bad happens, you're not able to call out, you're not able to report it. So that's why you need, you know, good levels of supervision. So yeah, it's a um, it's a significant risk. In terms of a royal commission, we made submissions to the Senate inquiry, and the, um, the Senate inquiry supported the call for a royal commission. There's been a state inquiry that similarly called for a royal commission to have a look at those uh, systemic issues that have occurred in the past that have led to people being exposed. To abuse. Now, we support the call for a Royal Commission because we think that a Royal Commission would identify all of those systemic issues like un- chronic underfunding of the sector, like uh, too much uh, casualisation um, and bring about some real change around quality. I mean, we think that there should be a national registration and accreditation scheme for disability support workers so that, um, you know, we can lift 
the level of quality and professionalisation. So there's a whole lot you can do to um, to ensure that into the future the bad things that have happened in the past certainly uh, well. Uh, they don't happen, or if they do happen, you're able to identify it quickly and and uh, and to deal with it. Well, is that traditionally with people with a disability, if they did have a carer, a lot of the onus was put back onto the fa- direct family of the person or to their friends. Now, with the reduced wages, would that be actually go a step right back in time that instead of getting professional care where people have got the appropriate qualifications who are independent to actually put the onus back onto the family and friends to actually get more involved? Yeah, look, I, th- I think that's right. Um, uh, it will put more pressure on... Uh, it potentially will put more pressure on families. And, look, there's some aspects of the... Uh, you know, there's, if, you, if you have the capacity to self-manage and make choices, the National Disability Insurance Scheme will provide people with some... Um, Real positive change, um, you know. I, I I support the National Disability Insurance Scheme, and our union supports it. But what we say is that we want a quality National Disability Insurance Scheme, one that protects vulnerable people, and one that also enables people who uh, are able to self-manage and able to make those choices to do so. So, our, our problem is that the rollout of the scheme is not picking up all of the risk factors. So for families who aren't able to manage, it will put a lot of pressure on them and a lot of concern on them. Today, for example, we took a group of families to meet the Premier. And those families all talked about their fears about what would happen if the government privatised the the system and the problems with the NDIS for vulnerable people, that they believe that there's not enough protections uh, to ensure that their loved ones will be protected um, uh, under a uh, a lower-cost-driven service system. So they were particularly concerned and they asked the Premier to ensure that they had some choice to stay in the public sector. He never gave it, but... um, uh, and that's what our campaign's all about, to try and pressure the government to uh, to give the families those choices. But you're absolutely right. It will bring more pressure on families uh, around a lower price service system. And, uh, and it means that disability support workers will continue to be undervalued into the future uh, through low pricing. Well, we're talking with Lloyd Williams, the State Secretary of the Health and Community Services Union. Now, let's try to... Um I was doing a little bit of thinking, a little bit outside the square, is that if how to retain workers in an already um, lowly uh, paid profession, which is extracting extremely rewarding, um, is there a possibility of some type of incentives, like maybe a reduced hex um, scheme for people who gain a qualification in community services to start with, or maybe uh, training leave to reduce the cost of getting the education to earn an income? Yeah, absolutely. We think that they, they are all good incentives to, um, you know, to assist people who come and work in the system. It's really expensive to even to get a certificate for. It's um, it's really expensive. But if you want to go on to um, uh, and get an advanced diploma or a university degree to work in the system, it's really hard because you come out with this, you know, huge hex debt 
and um, and then into a low-paid service system. So how do you pay that back? So, look, I agree that um, those sorts of in, um, uh, incentives and support would, uh, would really support the workforce into the future. And we've talked to the government about those things, and um, hopefully a registration and accreditation scheme would also have attached to it the government investing in uh, training and education because it's sorely needed right across the sector. Well, certainly, Lloyd. And what about the possibility of, let's say, within the community services sector, if a person, let's say, transfers job, about transferring, let's say, long service leave from employer to employee? Yeah, absolutely. Portability of long service leave is is on our list as well uh, because... You know, we, we not only have workers who work from, move from employer to employer in search of, you know, more secure hours and, uh, and a more stable income, but we have workers who work for multiple employers, um, you know, three or four trying to eke out a living in this sector. And, and people work in this sector because they care. They bring a lot of emotional labour to it they don't come and work here for the money they come and work here because they uh you know they have their values you know it's value-based work and they want to make a difference to people's lives so if somebody's working for multiple employers you know and moving around they never get to um uh to secure their long service leave so one of the things that we're also campaigning for is for the government to legislate in Victoria for a portable long service leave and we think that that would also add like better education and support for education, it would also be a good attraction and retention tool um, in the system. Just just finally, Lloyd, because sadly we have to wrap up, um, where can people find out more about your campaign? Uh, if they go to um, our website, certaintyfordisability.org, um, that'll give them all the information about our privatisation campaign and also our campaign to improve um, wages and conditions um, uh, right across the disability um, service system. So certaintyfordisability.org. And, um, and people will get heaps of information from that site. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us tonight, Lloyd. Terrific. It's great to chat with you both. Thank, Cheers. Thanks, Lloyd. That, okay, was, that was Lloyd Williams, who is the Secretary of the Health and Community Sector Union, talking about the Certainty for Disability Campaign Against Privatisation. Um, so before we go, is there anything to say before we go? Well, as I said, I'd like to th- say thank you very much to Lloyd Williams, the State Secretary of the Health and Community Services Union. Yeah. The radio song does start happening on the 1st of June. The boldness has got I the... Ra- the 5th to the 18th. 5th to the 18th of June. And the boldness, I believe, is the 21st of June. That's the, the odd year for it. But that's our boldness show. If people would like to call in to donate on... The 21st on 94198377 during Radio Thong to keep independent radio alive so we can bring you stories like this. We're going to go out with a song, and that song is Keep On Fighting by MJ Lady Warrior. Fantastic. And next up is Tamil Voices. Cheers.